Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Commonwealth Club for Immigrant Day of Visibility. I'm Michelle Miao. I'm John Zipper. And we both have a program here every Thursday afternoon at the Commonwealth Club. It's the Michelle Miao Show, your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. Though that is our usual program tonight. We're doing something extra special. Uh, and it all just kind of came from experiencing true-lived, uh, authentic, and genuine stories from our friends, our families, of how their lives have been impacted in the last two years. John and I actually had produced a series that were focused on immigrant rights issues um, or immigrant issues, and some of you are here who joined us here on those series, and we learned a lot. And we learned that we are at a place in which it is chaotic, it is scary, it is dangerous for many of us. And so Immigrant Day of Visibility was born out of experiencing the silencing of immigrant voices in the mainstream media. The narrative has been stolen to accommodate a political agenda. So we're here today to give visibility to our beautiful community, you, um, and the individuals who contribute to our families, our society, our neighborhoods, our cities, our states, and our country. And on behalf of the Commonwealth Club, I want to welcome everyone here in the room, as well as everyone who's watching us online and everyone who's listening to us online. Um, I also want to thank our great sponsors who helped make tonight possible. Uh, our grand sponsor is Visa. Our supporting sponsors are New York Life's Greater San Francisco Office, the California Endowment, the Michelle Miao Show. Our friends-level sponsors are Medina Ortwine LLP, the Sparks Fund for Equity and Innovation of Horizon Foundation. Our advocate-level sponsors are Needle Space Labs, Alma Sungi Beck Esquire of Lake and Spears LLP, Pornrada Nutleme, I hope I have that correctly, my apologies if I don't, and special thanks to our kind, our, excuse me, our in-kind sponsors tonight, San Francisco Pride, Suchata Traditional Thai Massage, Horizon Foundation, and Vanicone Sinbadith. Thank you. So we have a great evening of recognition and, and performances, and we're in the same room of some of the most leading advocates of our community, such as our Master of Ceremonies tonight. David Campos is a native of Puerto Barrios, uh, Isabel, Guatemala, who came to the United States with his parents and two sisters when he was just 14 years old. Although he did not speak the language, David excelled in school and graduated at the top of his class from Jefferson School in South Central Los Angeles. David earned scholarships to Stanford University and Harvard Law School, from which he graduated respectively in 1993 and 1996. So after a few years of private practice in some of the most prestigious law firms in the country, David became Deputy City Attorney for the City and County of San Francisco. So as Deputy City Attorney, David handled a variety of important legal matters and cases. And prior to his election as supervisor, he served for the Mission District. David served as general counsel to the San Francisco Unified School District and as a member of the San Francisco Police Commission. So since 2004, David has been an elected member of the San Francisco Democratic County Central Committee and also right now, currently, is the chair. And so without further ado, let's get this program started. Let's welcome our Master of Ceremonies, David Campos. Thank you, thank you, Michelle, and thank you, John, and thank you to the Commonwealth Club. How's everyone doing today? Happy Friday. Uh, 
So as Michelle noted, uh, this is a very difficult time in the history of our country. Uh, I think that all you have to do is pick up the paper, turn on the news uh, to hear the rhetoric that is coming out of Washington, D.C., and especially from the White House when it comes to immigrants and immigration. Uh, when you turn on the TV and the depiction of the immigrant community is that we're coming uh, to this country to commit crime, that we're here to get on welfare and to take advantage of the U.S. Uh, system, and that we're here essentially to make life worse uh, for the country and to take advantage of the country and nothing else. The reality is that that is the wrong, uh, 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 erroneous depiction of who we are as immigrants. The reality is that the vast majority of us, uh, we are here because we love this country and came to this country in search of the American dream. And the fact is that if you look at immigrants today, we commit crime at a lower rate than any other population, and we actually contribute more in taxes than we actually get back in services. And that, by the way, is not only true of documented immigrants, but also undocumented immigrants who today pay more taxes than Donald Trump. So the point of this event today is to actually provide an accurate description of who immigrants are to show that, in fact, we are parts, uh, members of this community, and that we are here to make this country what it is today. When you look at the history of this country, unless you are a Native American, all of us in some way are immigrants, and we are here because this has been a country of immigrants. And when you look at American history, the fact remains that notwithstanding the, the rhetoric, there is nothing more American than immigration. And that's what we're here to celebrate. And so with that, let me say that what you're going to see tonight, this, this evening, is different people from different parts of the world who bring their experience, their talents, to this country to to essentially make America what it is today. And that's what's so remarkable about the United States. I mean, I think some would argue the United States, in, in a way, is one of the most uh, successful countries in the history of the world. And when you think about what has made it successful is the fact that we have welcomed the best talent from all over the world to come here to make this country what it is. So first... Today, it is my honor to introduce a very unique and special individual who has a lot of talent. Uh, his name is Flash, and you're going to hear Flash perform very shortly. Flash is a 23-year-old metal rock artist. He hails from Nepal, his native Nepal. He was the, the lead uh, guitarist for the local band uh, Beside the Coffin. I'm sure some of you have heard them. Uh, he immigrated to America three years ago. He came here to escape religious and political persecution. Flash, as you're going to see, is creative. He's uh, He plays various instruments. 
besides being the lead guitarist for the band and, and for the talent that he will show today, he plays the bass, he plays drums, he plays piano. Uh, on top of all of that, he writes and produces his own music and is actually finishing right now an EP, which will be released at the end of this year. Uh, I just want to say that all of our performers tonight are part of a documentary, a film that is currently in production uh, with the working title In a Flash, uh, which documents the lives of three musicians uh, who use their music to escape, engage, and dream big while here in this country. Uh, this documentary is produced by Jethro uh, Patilangung, uh, who is with us tonight is Jethro here, and I apologize if I mispronounced the name, and, you know, he is documenting as we speak. So can you please help me big, uh, give a big round of applause to Flash. How are you all doing tonight? All right. This song is uh, my first single, and it's called uh, The Way You Talk. Oh, 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 
Thank you so much for being a part of this beautiful event, ladies and gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Okay, can we hear it for Flash again? Wow. Amazing. Amazing. You know, I'm so proud of, of, of all the, the people that are here, the talent that you're going to see on this stage. Uh, the fact is that, you know, we need to get these stories out there. And this is just one fraction of what the immigrant community out there uh, has to offer to this country. But let me say this, that I am uh, a little nervous about introducing this next person. Uh, those of us who went to law school, uh, law school know about F Fred Karamatsu and what he means uh, to the history of this country, a man who is an icon who challenged the internment of Japanese Americans in this country. Uh, and, you know, there are in the history of a country and in this country threshold moments that define and challenge who we are as a country. And this is one of them. Uh, I actually think that what's been happening at the border with the uh, separation of children and their families is another one of those. Uh, but I am here to introduce our keynote speaker tonight, Karen Karamatsu. She is the founder and the executive director of the Fred Karamatsu Institute and the daughter of the late and the great Fred Karamatsu. Uh, in 2009, on the 25th anniversary of the reversal of Fred Karamatsu's uh, conviction in the case by the U.S. Supreme Court, Karen Karamatsu established the Fred Karamatsu Institute. Since her father's passing in 2005, Karen has carried on his legacy as a civil rights advocate, as a public speaker, as a public educator. She shares her passion for social justice and education at K-12 public schools and private schools throughout the state and the country, at colleges, at universities, law schools, uh, to make sure that the, new the young generation knows about the history of this country. And one of Karen's most significant accomplishments was actually working with Assemblymember Warren Furutani to successfully establish in 2011 a perpetual Fred Karamatsu Day of Civil Liberties and the Constitution here in the state of California. Let's give her a big round of applause for that. By the way, Fred Karamatsu is the first Asian American in the history of this country who has been honored with a statewide day, and it happened here. Karen's work and her father's legacy extends to advocating for civil t liberties for all communities, and she addresses current issues of civil rights, not only in what happened before, but what's happening today. She has signed to an amicus, she has signed on to an amicus brief in several cases opposing violations of the Constitution, uh, including cases arising out of 9-11, uh, and of course what's been happening lately on the issue of immigration. So it is truly my honor uh, to introduce uh, our amazing keynote speaker, uh, who represents, I think, the very best of this country, Karen Karamatsu. Good evening. Uh, thank you, David, for your uh, kind introduction. Also, I'd like to thank the Commonwealth Club, Michelle and John, for recognizing the significance of our immigration community, especially during this time of national stress against our immigrant society. 
Unfortunately, there is a rise in anti-immigrant rhetoric and policies, and this is creating hardship and instability for our immigrants. After Executive Order 9066 was issued by President Roosevelt, my father, Fred Korematsu, disobeyed the 1942 military orders that resulted in his 1944 landmark U.S. Supreme Court case of Korematsu versus United States. My father said, am I an American or am I not? Why should he be put in an American prison camp when he had done nothing wrong? All due process of law was denied. Almost 40 years later in 1983, my father's U.S. Supreme Court case was reopened when legal historian Professor Peter Irons, along with Aiko Hershik Yotsunaga, discovered the documents in Washington, D.C. that proved in 1944 that the government had lied to the Supreme Court, withheld evidence, and destroyed evidence. The Quorum Nobis legal team, headed up by Dale Manami, Don Tamaki, and other colleagues, fought to reopen my father's Supreme Court case. As a result, Federal Court Judge Marilyn Hall Patel overturned my father's federal conviction. This was the trial that Japanese Americans never had 40 years earlier, and finally justice had prevailed. My father felt vindicated as it proved there had been governmental misconduct. It was not until 1983 when I learned that my father had never given up hope that someday he would be able to reopen up his Supreme Court case and continue his fight for justice. That was almost 40 years that he never gave up hope. He was never bitter or angry. He never blamed anyone. My father believed he was right to disobey the military orders and the government was wrong to, to racial profile and mass incarcerate, incarcerate an entire group of people just because they looked like the enemy. My father fought this in the, in the face of adversity because his own Japanese-American community did not support him, and they did not again support him in 1983. They thought if, they, if my father fought his case that they would lose their chances for redress and reparations. My father crisscrossed this country to remind people the lessons of history. He was one of the first people to speak out during Desert Storm, when the Arab community was being attacked, and after 9-11 especially, when the Muslims were tar targeted because they, quote, looked like the enemy. My father's parents were immigrants from Fukuoka, Japan, and arrived separately in San Francisco in the early 1900s. Yes, my grandparents were immigrants. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, they were afraid. What was going to happen to them? Were they going to be sent back? They weren't American citizens. They were, they were in a country that was not their own. My mother was born in South Carolina, and my great-great-great-grandparents were immigrants who came from Scotland, Ireland, and Germany. In fact, I married an immigrant. My husband, Donald, is here, who came to America from England back in 1979. And it was not too long later that he became a proud American citizen. So my story is I'm here in America as, re as a result of my immigrant families. Our battles are for those being t turned away at the border, detained, and their families separated. At least six children have died at the U.S. border since, the past, since this past September. This is outrageous. 
Separation of families is nothing new for the U.S. government, as they did this following the bombing of Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. Then, over the past several years, immigration has become, quote, a dirty word. So here is the opportunity. We need to make positive change and remind people that this country was built on the backs of immigrants. If you don't know your family's story, then find out what were their struggles and challenges along the way and share those with those people you meet. We have lost respect, we have lost respect in this country and we need to learn to appreciate each other's differences and not be afraid of them. If you know your own story, then you can appreciate other people's stories and differences. Prejudice is ignorance. And as Nelson Mandela said, education is our most powerful weapon, which you can use to change the world. Being American is to support those who are citizens and non-citizens. We have made some progress since 1942 when President Roosevelt issued his executive order. At least now we have other organizations who will speak up against other humane acts um, against our immigrants. At least we do have organizations that continue to work in solidarity. I'm happy to see that our community, community leaders who are working in the trenches are being recognized and honored this evening. I've worked with CARE and was on the board of directors for 14 years with Advancing Justice Asian Law Caucus. Actually, I was on the affiliation committee that established Asian Americans Advancing Justice and now currently uh, serve on the board of directors for AAJC. Our work is ongoing. And for example, uh, I helped to establish uh, in 2009 the Fred T. Korematsu uh, Center for Law and Equality at Seattle University School of Law. They have worked with the law firm Weil and, Weil and Gottschall in New York City. And uh, in, in they have worked on pro bono case protecting the LGBTQ Asian Pacific Islander immigrants by supporting sanctuary laws. While attorneys filed an amicus brief in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit for the National Queer Asian Pacific Islander Alliance in support of the state of California's immigrant sanctuary laws. The appeal focuses on a federal district judge's decision that largely denied the Trump administration's efforts to declare those laws unconstitutional and to enjoin the state of California from enforcing them. California's sanctuary laws regulate employer relationships with immigrant employees, mandate state attorney general inspections of immigrant detention facilities, and clarify the relationship between local law enforcement and federal immigration agents with respect to immigrants in state custody. Although these laws are designed to protect all immigrants from recently in increased federal harassment, undocumented LGBTQ Asian immigrants risk outsized harm from an injunction due to their unique employment, cultural, linguistic, and economic statuses. These issues underlie both the concerns of the amicus brief and the policy rationales for the California sanctuary laws. In April 2019, the Ninth Circuit issued a unanimous opinion largely affirming the lower court's decision and keeping California's sanctuary laws in force. Also, I supported... U.S. Senator Jeff Merkley from Oregon when he authored the bill No Internment Camps. 
He, he quoted on, on the floor of the Senate from Justice Murphy, who was one of the dissenting opinions of my father's original Supreme Court case. Racial discrimination in any form, in any degree, has no justifiable part, where, whatever in our domestic way of life. It is unattractive in any setting, but is utterly revolting among a free people who have embraced the principles set forth in the Constitution of the United States, unquote. We need to continue to support elected officials like U.S. Senator Merkley and, other, and others who are currently uh, fighting for our causes. But remember, we have a responsibility and duty as American citizens. Remember to vote and support the census. I'm really concerned about the census because a lot of people in our immigrant communities are afraid to, to, uh, to answer those questions. The Fred T. Korematsu Institute's mission is educating to advance racial equity, social justice, and human rights for all. We promote K-12 through and public civics education and engagement, and teachers can go to our website, www.koromatsuinstitute.org, to sign up for our curriculum uh, toolkits free, free of charge. This year is an auspicious year for my father. On January 30th was his 100th birthday, and also is Fred Korematsu Day of Civil Liberties in the Constitution, as you heard, but is also honored in other states as well, Hawaii, Virginia, Florida, and New York City. My father is the first Asian American to have the statewide day named after him, and there are no other estates pursuing the, the, uh, the support. He, he represents not only Asian Americans, but he re- represents all Americans and our Constitution and our civil liberties. On December 18th this year will be the 75th anniversary of my father's Supreme Court case, And this is a reminder that we have not learned the lessons of history from the 1942 Japanese-American incarceration to the parallels of the racial and religious profiling that Muslims, Arabs, Iranians, South Asians, and, and, uh, and others are experiencing now. Being an American means to support everyone. My father was always afraid that something like the Japanese-American incarceration could happen again. So maybe... We need to be concerned when Taka is of North Korea. Fred Korematsu, in the face of adversity, was one man, man who made a, a difference and, and never gave up hope. So when you leave here, be like pebbles in the pond. Share what you have learned and talk to your neighbors and friends and those people who don't understand these issues that we're facing with immigration. If my father were here, he would say to you, stand up for what is right. And when you see something wrong, protest, but not with violence. Otherwise, they won't listen to you. But don't be afraid to speak up. Thank you. Wow. Those are truly powerful words, and the fact is that it is the Fred Karamatsus that have made this country a better country. Uh, And as Karen said, the reality is that for those of us who thought that the internment or something like the internment would never happen again, we just have to turn on the TVs and look at what's happening at the border with the separation of children. Uh, 
as we are here today, today the Trump administration issued guidelines that basically say that uh, turning back the clock for the transgender community, that the protections that were issued under President Obama that prevented uh, medical practitioners and insurance companies from discriminating against the transgender community, that those no longer apply. These are the times that we live in, and we need Fred Karamatsu's to push back. So let me now turn to uh, introducing a very special individual uh, who came to this country. He's 26 years old. He came here when he was 21 from Russia, escaping persecution against the LGBT community, LGBTQ community in that country. Uh, his name is Igor Shudak. Uh, in 2014, Igor released his first mini-album, which uh, is entitled Inception. He's currently a member of the San Francisco Gay Man's Chorus. And as we speak, is about to release his first American EP entitled Out of Faith. Uh, Igor has also developed a drag queen alter ego persona, uh, uh, Myla Nakovic, uh, which who is actually supposed to be the sister, I believe, of Melania, uh, Melania Trump. I'm not sure if there's been any uh, biological testing of that lineage. Uh, but uh, there is a YouTube comedy series called uh, Russian uh, uh, Russian Concussion. Uh, and Igor is also uh, part of the advisory council for the LGBTQ Asylum Project. So can you give a big round of applause to Igor Shudak? Igor. Hello, hello, hello. 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 Can you guys hear me? I love it. So I just want to clarify two things before I start. Okay, well, it's Mila Nakabich. And it's not just Melania's sister. It's much, much, much younger Melania's sister. So now that we got that out of the way, um, my name is Igor. I'll be releasing my first American album available on iTunes, Spotify, MySpace, or whatever the website you um, I'm remembering now right now. Y'all know, right? Good times, good times. Uh, I call it Out of Faith. It's coming out in September. I just decided it in the back in the green room. Um, so, and, and right now I'm going to sing a song for you from the album. It's about two people that are breaking up. It's inspired by Adele. Um, and they, they basically talk about their life and they say, hey, like tomorrow everything is going to change. Tomorrow we're going to go separate ways. So let's appreciate tonight um, the things that we went through. Forget about the hate and drama. So... We just celebrate our love and, you know, celebrate it. Yeah, let's do it. I love it. Tonight, when everyone has gone, I'll tell you how I love you so I'll find a way to stay tonight The story comes to an end 
And future holds the great unknown. We both too scared to cry. I know I feel. I know it's real. I'm standing till the end of time. Get ready for the pain. I know I will. I know I'm free. We'll find a way to find somehow the one and only name. This time, the world is second place, and you are here to be the same. Tomorrow won't be there. This time, there's nothing else to say. There's only night for both of us. There's only time to spare. I know I feel. I know it's real. I'm standing till the end of time. Get ready for the pain. I know I will. I know I'm free. We'll find a way to find somehow the one and only name. You're trying, you're falling, you're loving, you're leading. I'm following you through the lights and waiting and waiting and hoping for better. I know we were both never right tonight. Tonight, 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 the souls are free to fly. I'll tell you how I love you so. I'll find a way to stay tonight. I'll find a way to stay tonight. Tonight, we'll find a way to find somehow the one and only name tonight. Tonight, we'll find a way. To find somehow the one and only name tonight. Thank you. Okay, can we hear once again for Igor? Come on, Igor. Thank you. I, I have a feeling that we're going to be hearing about Flash and Igor. You know, these, these folks are very talented. They're, they're definitely going places. Uh, the next phase of, of the evening is very important uh, because we're going to recognize uh, individuals, institutions that are 
important advocates for the immigrant community. And I want to bring up uh, uh, the amazing, the incredible Michelle Miao to come on up. Uh, we have here representatives from uh, Senator Harris's office and others. And I also want to bring John uh, up as well, uh, because we're here to recognize the very critical advocates in this community. Uh, because, you know, when people do what they do for the for the immigrant community, we need to acknowledge their hard work because it's not easy to do this work, especially in this time. So I'll turn it over to Michelle and John. All right. Okay. Very quick, though. How many of you enjoyed tonight's food? I want to give a special shout out to the person who made it all happen, which is actually my cousin, Vanna Constant Bandith, who is sitting here in the room tonight. She did it all with the help of my, my sister and my brother-in-law. It's a super family affair. But, you know, that happens in the immigrant experience, right? So quickly, you know, my cousin told me the story when she immigrated here and our family are refugees from Laos. Like when the, the minute she got here, she was so enamored by the American Washington apple. She saved it. She saved it. They gave her an apple and she saved it. And they kept telling her, you can't save it. You have to eat it because it'll rot. And she's like, no, this is this is the real deal. She saved it until it did rot. And so when it rotted, she told me that was when her, you know, appetite for American food dissipated because then she realized you can't get papaya salad and sticky rice in America the same way you can get it back in Laos. So uh, my cousin here is an aspiring uh, business owner. She wants to do her thing. We thank Governor Jerry, well, former Governor Jerry Brown, who passed the law in which you can start your own homemade food in your home. Um, and so we're excited for that. So thank you, my cousin Vanna, for all the great food. All right, we're going to fly through this very swiftly. We're a little bit behind, so instead of doing a bunch of the intro that we have written in the script, um, I just want to tell you, like, this has been an incredible, incredible experience in which we have really had leaders of San Francisco and elected leaders, really, I should say, who have come together. I mean, we've got Tom Polino, who's with Assemblymember David Chu's office. We have uh, Isabella, who is with uh, Assessor Carmen Chu's office. I mean, so many elected officials came to me and said, you know, we're really proud of our immigrant community and we stand by our sanctuary policies and we want to help you. And so when we said we want to recognize organizers and advocates and activists who have done incredible, amazing work, who stand for the rights of our immigrant community, we have two notable elected officials in our state of California who stepped up and said, we're in this. We're in this with you, and we want to make sure that they know that all the work that they do is incredible. So we have awards, um, and the recognition is coming not just from one office, but two office. And so we have awards from Senator Kamala Harris's office, as well as State Senator Scott Weiner. He sends his regrets. He couldn't be here tonight, but we do have the awards from his office. And so our lovely honorees get two awards tonight. I don't know if that ever actually happens at an event. Um 
And so for our first honoree, we, we want to welcome and recognize the work of CARE-SF, which is the Council of American Islamic Relations. When we started in 2017, and when a new president was inaugurated and installed, the first executive order attacked the Muslim community. And, and many of us in the San Francisco Bay Area did mobilize, and we got to the San Francisco airport to protest. The ACLU stepped up, but... Um, those attacks continue to happen, as you know, when you read the headlines. And so we feel lucky in the San Francisco Bay Area that we have Council on American Islamic Relations, the San Francisco chapter, although they are nationwide. And so we want to recognize their work and what they're doing with, with in this. I hate to say it, but it is our reality. Let's welcome Samina Usman here to accept the award for Karasa. Ah, what to say? There's so much to say. And at the same time, I think we're all kind of speechless, <laughs> especially with uh, all the nonsense that's been happening uh, these past couple of years, the, the war on immigrants. I mean, you have children in cages, children in cages. Come on, you know. Um, but yeah, we've... Um, as Michelle was saying that, you know, the Muslim community has been seeing an increase in hate incidences uh, across the country um, leading up to the presidential election. And then um, in these past couple of years, um, Care California, one of the things that we do is that we provide free legal services to uh, people experiencing any discrimination, hate crimes, school bullying, FBI harassment. And now we're offering immigration services as well. Um, and in this past year, we had received over 1,100 immigrant-related cases, um, ranging from, you know, um, immigration or to even like Muslim ban cases. We received about 85 um, cases where families have been separated because of this Muslim travel ban. Um, one of the more notable cases that I'm sure many of you have heard of is um, the case of where a mother from Yemen was separated from her two-year-old who was dying from, um, you know, the, just a horrible um, disease. And so uh, she was not able to come and be with her son while he was dying for eight months. And finally, because of the rallying of community members and those from across the country, um, we were able to, to get her into this country. So, and to see her son 10 days before he passed. Um, so while things are, are dire, seem very dire, um, and they are, um, I think the, the silver lining of all of this is that it's brought us all so much closer together. You know, we've seen, um, coalition building like we've never seen before, whether it be with the, you know, the Latino community, the LGBTQ community, the API or MEMSA communities, um, the African American community. We've seen folks come together and join together to say, look, we are going to fight against injustice. We are going to fight against intolerance. We are going to stand up for each other's causes. You know, the, the Japanese American community were the first to stand up um, and in solidarity with the Muslim community after the tragic events of 9-11. Um, and, and they have continued to stand with us because they know what it's like to face this type of um, intolerance and injustice, you know, um, with their community. So, you know, I, I think that the, the I have hope 
I truly do have hope that we are going to come out of this stronger. We are going to come out of this better. And that's the reason why we're going to come out of this better and stronger is because we have each other. And as long as we have each other and as long as we have this solidarity, we are truly stronger together. So thank you so much. Our next honoree has done an incredible amount of work and has always been there for the transgender community and all transgender folks. And recently, uh, especially under this administration, has been very vocal about the discrimination and the inhumane treatment of trans migrants. And so our next honoree, let's welcome Chris Hayashi from Transgender Law Center. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a real honor to be here tonight. Um, you know, as David mentioned, I do have to talk about what happened today. So today the Trump administration issued a proposed rule trying to undermine protections for transgender people in healthcare, effectively encouraging healthcare providers to discriminate against us. And it's, it's no co- coincidence that One year ago, almost to today, was when Roxana Hernandez, a transgender woman from Honduras, died in ICE custody after being denied medical care. And a year later, the Trump administration has attacked health care for all trans people. It's no coincidence that this same week of these intense policy attacks against trans communities and so many others that we learned of the murder of Malaysia Booker, a black trans woman, and the third black trans woman to die of violence simply for who they are in this week. It's no coincidence that the rule that we learned of today proposed not only targets trans people broadly, but specifically cuts services for those of us who don't speak English or have a disability. None of this is a coincidence. The Trump administration has been one long concentrated attack against the trans community, against immigrants, against Muslims, against so many different vulnerable members of our communities. And the conditions that led to Roxana's death are still being felt and experienced by trans women in detention today. And, and I just have to raise up that they're particularly felt by black trans migrants and the work of the Black LGBT Migrant Project, who has raised up the ways that black trans migrants are held for longer periods of time in solitary confinement and face extreme abusive conditions. And so I will say that also what we've seen in the last few years is the incredible resilience and power of our communities, that even in the face of Roxana's death, A hundred LGBT immigrant leaders from all across the country came together in Albuquerque to strategize and to raise up stories, to raise up the story of Udoka, a gay Nigerian migrant who had been held in immigration detention for two years. And through the power of community, through raising up his story, he is now free. In the face of Roxana's death and so many others in immigrant detention, we continue to fight back. We are suing, we are moving forward a wrongful death suit on Roxana's behalf, and we will sue absolutely whoever we need to to stop the injustices that our communities are facing. And just this week, just this week, black and brown LGBT immigrant leaders were 
in front of Congress, held a congressional hearing to raise up the conditions that black and brown LGBT migrants are facing in detention today. So, so while this is a moment in which our communities are facing such intense attack and so many of us are, are dying, it's more important than ever for us to fight back, for us to continue to dream, and for us to continue to fight for the vision that we want to see in a world. Thank you. Our next honoree is the African Human Rights Coalition. The AHRC works with LGBTI communities and individuals in and from African countries seeking to claim and defend their human rights with advocacy, resources, and direct services to combat homophobia, transphobia, and xenophobia, as well as related individual case advocacy, forming coalitions, alliance, excuse me, coalition alliances uh, locally on the continent and abroad to provide fully comprehensive and ad hoc case management services for LGBTI individuals, asylum seekers, and refugees, and to include humanitarian assistance, referrals, and resources, and to advocate with key populations and health impact of rights at risk and related issues. Their ultimate goal is to partner for change in the hope Africa can return to its pre-colonial time of acceptance of sexuality so Africa's environment for LGBTI people advances the cause of the, excuse me, advances the pursuit of freedom and happiness. We, they provide ad hoc advocacy and humanitarian resources to LGBTQI people who have been criminalized in several African countries and are compelled by persecutions and threats and violence to seek safe shelter and or exile. African HRC couldn't be here with us tonight. Executive Director Melanie Nathan is very busy being an incredibly proud mom of a new uh, NYU graduate of their their Tisch uh, University program, and so she sent us a video. Let's play the video. All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. These beautiful words are from the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and they scream at us in the face of laws in the over 70 countries globally that criminalize human sexuality and gender identity. The laws that tell us who we cannot love and suggest who we must love. The laws that rob LGBTQI people of our most basic function as a human way of being. LGBTQI asylum seekers who reach our borders and refugees attempting to resettle through the UNHCR system have been forced into exile by the horrendous persecution that results from these criminalizing laws. African HRC works with LGBTQI asylum seekers and refugees in and from African countries to provide advocacy, humanitarian and legal resources, including safe shelter, food, case management and country conditions reports. We must all partner and co-create to make this world safe and equal for all. Thank you again for this recognition. It enables us to highlight our work. Our next honoree is the Immigrant Legal Resource Center, the increasingly complex legal and social challenges faced by immigrants in the 1970s created a growing need for expert assistance and training in immigration law and policy. Bill Ong Hing, a well-known immigrant rights attorney, recognized this need and founded the Golden Gate Immigration Clinic in 1979. Thank you, John. 
<laughs> which later became the Immigrant Legal Resource Center. So let's welcome Immigrant Legal Resource Center and being recognized tonight. We have Krishna here with us. Hello, good evening. Um, my name is Krishna Avila, and I am proud to accept this award on behalf of the Immigrant Legal Resource Center, otherwise known as the ILRC. Um, first, I would like to thank the Commonwealth Club um, for hosting this great event and for really caring about these issues. Um, it's really important to have these public discussions, especially nowadays. And thank you, Michelle, for recognizing our work. Um, we're truly honored. As a former undocumented immigrant myself, I have personally benefited from ILRC's work. In fact, the ILRC played a huge role in not only allowing me to obtain immigration status, but also to pursue law and become an attorney in order to fight for the rights of all immigrants. For the last 40 years, the ILRC has been working to protect these rights, rights that are under great threat as um, you all saw today. We stand in solidarity with those who know that our system of immigration is unjust, broken, and exclusionary, and work to build capacity among those who are most impacted by this system. Every day, my colleagues and I are fighting against the numerous attacks on immigrants by this administration. At the ILRC, we craft, advocate for, and analyze immigration laws. I work on the enforcement team where we map out legal tactics and organize side by side with community members to resist the narrow-minded and exclusionary vision of the US that the, this administration is really creating today. For example, we are among the, the many groups who advocated and passed sanctuary policies here in San Francisco and statewide in California, which allow um, undocumented immigrants here to be able to uh, be protected from deportation. The ILRC is committed to fighting back against the agenda to exclude, expel, and detain, and deport immigrants who simply want to seek a better life, like myself, who came at four months with my mom um, and, and her journey to, to be able to give her children a, a better future. Nationally, like you all saw today and you've heard, deportations are at, at an all-time high. We're seeing children being caged at the border. We're seeing families being separated and torn apart. But it's really discussions like these and recognitions and, um, and those organizations that have been fighting today that really give us hope. And um, so thank you all so much for recognizing this and not only our work, but the, the work that all these other organizations are doing. So thank you. Our final honoree tonight is Asian Law Caucus. Founded in 1972, Asian Americans Advancing Justice, Asian Law Caucus, is the nation's first legal and civil rights organization serving low-income Asian American, Asian Pacific American communities. Advancing Justice, ALC, focuses on housing rights, immigration and immigrants' rights, labor and employment issues, student advocacy, civil rights and hate violence, national security, and criminal justice reform. As a founding affiliate of Asian Americans Advancing Justice, the organization also helps to set national policies in affirmative action, voting rights, census, and language rights.
I want to add a couple things very quick before we have Nainorn come up to accept the recognition for Asian Law Caucus. As a member of the Southeast Asian community, I mean, what is happening to our community right now, even 20, 30 years after uh, our parents have, have migrated here as refugees? This double persecution is it's injustice. This is this is not supposed to happen for I'm going to put it in air quotes, you know, crimes, because we can't prove that every crime is a crime or that something that you did when you came here and you had no resources for yourself except to fend and to survive, that you'd be punished for it not once but twice and then to be deported back to a country that you haven't lived in ever you know, in your experience as a person. And so I want to thank Asian Law Caucus who have been there, but extremely successful in a few cases, in recent cases, in helping the Southeast Asian community overcome the double persecution. And here to accept the award for Asian Law Caucus is Nai Norn, who can also talk to her own personal experience. Nai, thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for the introduction. Um, hi, how's everyone doing? Uh, happy Friday evening. <laughs> so, um, so for myself as the Yoru Koshiyama Fellow, I'm very grateful for this opportunity because not only do I currently work with Asian Law Caucus, but I'm also a client. Um, I am also an impacted community member who spent 16 years incarcerated and um, did face deportation, actually still facing deportation. Um, and I can't be deported to Cambodia, but if another country is willing to accept me, then I can start that immigration um, process all over again. But I'm um, today here accepting on the award for um, Asian Law Caucus for the work that we do. Um, again, with the seven programs at Asian Law Caucus, um, we're very honored as ALC staff to get to serve our API communities every day because each one has a powerful story that illuminates the broader struggles of, lo of legal and civil rights of our community. And with all that we have achieved and with the current work that we are doing from housing rights team and assisting tenants in community empowerment to voting rights working on sponsoring two voting bills this legislative session from the criminal justice reform program work on implementing and protecting the California Values Act SB 54 and introducing introduction of the No Private Acts Act AB 1282 to the Immigrants Rights Program attorneys work on defending and stopping deportation of Southeast Asian refugee community members um, namely Cambodians with old convictions targeted for de deportation and I would like to give a shout out to Anu Prasad and Sarah Lee who's um, the attorney and community advocate in the audience uh, thank you so much for coming um, and to the workers' rights recent successes in the Mango Garden and Rangoon Restaurant lawsuit and settlements, to the National Security and Civil Rights Program, continue outreach at mosques, community centers, and universities as part of community empowerment, and to aspire with their support to provide safe space for undocumented API youth to talk about their issues. And with all that, we can't stress enough how much that as a civil rights nonprofit organization, that our work is only possible with funding and then support of collaboration with other criminal 
social justice, immigrants, nonprofit orgs, support of local and state officials, and support of community members who are committed to the pursuit of equality and justice for all sectors of our community, especially our underserved API communities. And lastly, because I have the honor of standing before you today, and I do have the mic. So I definitely want to um, talk about the recent success that we had with the criminal justice reform and immigrant rights program, um, the work that I involved with. So, for the, so you know, for the past two years, um, ICE has ramped up arrests and deportations of Cambodian refugees with old um, felony convictions in California and across the nation. And our efforts in stopping deportations of Cambodian Americans in California and the Bay Area was through only through organizing support from many organizations such as Siri and a Asian Prisoner Support Committee, um, support from interpacted community members and their families, support from elected officials um, such as the API Legislative Caucus, uh, David Chu, Rob Bonta, um, Phil Ting, the Supervisor Board of Super, um, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. They actually passed a resolution and support of um, pardon for um, one of our community members that did got a pardon and uh, denouncing the deportations of um, Southeast Asian refugees. And we also currently do have the support of the city of Oakland council members. They're, they have a proposed resolution that's going to be heard this Tuesday. And if that passed, it'll be on um, a, a June 4th with a full um, committee and hoping that resolution will pass and then we will continue to move forward to reach with other Bay Area um, counties hoping that they'll pass similar resolutions. And also um, also support from Senators um, Scott Weiner. We thank you so much um, for your support with our um, refugees that are seeking pardons. And also um, just support from the community from the May 13th, from May 13th, they were actually um, received pardons from Governor Newsom. Uh, we definitely honor and thank him so very much for um, protecting our immigrants, and um, we hope that we he will continue to um, uh, issue pardons. That's a way to um, as a way to stop their deportations, and as well um, our work it doesn't end there. Um, every three months. Um, ICE continues to do these arrests, to do these deportations, and only, I can't stress enough, only the work of community coming together, um, helping to empower impacted communities and their families. Can you imagine elders that have um, suffered through the genocide? They have want to do, they want to do so much more now because they realize that they, they're powerful in their movement and their work. And, um, they were actually in SAC last Friday at the state capitol holding, you know, protest signs, you know, urging the governor to make these, you know, to, um, urge these pardons. And we're really grateful that we're helping, you know, for them to step out. And, you know, that's what communities do. We help empower each other. And again, um, if you would definitely like to, um, work with Asian Law Caucus, we definitely love to share, you know, um, um, with you, you know, events that's coming up and stay connecting with us. And thank you so much, everyone, for your support and guarding support for our community members and the Kimi Show and um, Commonwealth. Thank you. We have one final performance for you tonight. And before I introduce her to you, which I'm very happy to do, uh, for some of you who know us personally, I do want to say this because, you know, David Campos, our amazing master of ceremonies, has the last word. And he truly is just one of the best in San Francisco. We're so lucky, you know, to have him. But he's one of so many of you who do so much in our community and keeping it going. I want to tell you, like, whatever's happening in the media, it's ugly. What's happening in the administration, we already know. It's harmful and it's dangerous 
and it's gross. But the one thing that we have is this ability to come together. And we did that tonight. In so many of us, in our differences, we found similarities. That similarity is hope for our future and this resistance in fighting back. To me, that's the most incredibly powerful tool that we have going forward in this country. And I hope that in 2020, we take it back. And the yeah. Apparently, uh, also in 2020, it's possible that all 26 Democratic candidates can be president. And um, so I want to thank you so much for being here tonight and for supporting all of our communities, because you know what? At the end of the day, we're all humans. We have the same heart and we have the same ability to love. And love is what got me here today. I would not be the woman that I am here today standing in front of you had it not been for this next performer who has taught me everything about humility, about vulnerability, about being a woman and not just a woman, but a woman of color, a Southeast Asian woman and having something to be proud of. She has performed for over 100,000 people on Mother's Day for the Queen of Thailand. She started as a stand-up comedian, and many of you who are from the Thai community will understand this, as she has served as a malam performer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, aside from making me laugh, she has taught me what it means to cross boundaries and love has no boundaries. Let's welcome Tukta, my wife. Boy. 
ใจลอยคอยมองเพื่อนทั้งวันวิ่งสวนกันรถทัวรถลำแต่อ้ายคนที่ใจมองไปลำตะคองเงียบเงาเช้าเจ้าจ่อพ่อให้แต่ข้องทางตัวเจ้าจ่อพ่อให้แต่ข้องทางเนื้อเขามันจางอยู่ฝั่งทางค่อยจองวางใส่น้ำรับตะกองแดดอ่อนพี่ชายไอ้เนื้อเหมือนเคยอ่อนอ่อนแล้วพ่อไอ้หักเขาเรานักจนวันจันทร์กับบ่อเห็นมาเยี่ยมชายค่าทามข้าวสาวลำตะของคิดหอดอายได้แต่ช่างแง่ค่อยมองสงสารสาวลำตะของให้หักมาไล่มาจอดใจวันเคยอาหารบ้านเขาน้องก็เตรียมไว้ให้รอเหนื่อยก็พ่อมีที่พักพิงเพียยอายทำเป็นเช่นคนไม่คุ้นไม่เคยหรือมีสาวค่อยก็เคยเอาไว้แนบบ่อจึงบ่ออมมาทำตายมาเยื่อเยื่อลงอ้อไอผู้เดียวลนและเลี้ยวมาจอดพักคุยกันเบิงจุ๊จีวันมันแต่นางบ่มีอายได้แต่แนมนอทางอายขอบคุณค่ะแตงกิวจงเลสฮีริตฟอร์ทุกตาแกนว้าวอิ่มเอซิ่งไม่รู้ว่าคุณเป็นยังไงแต่ฉันรู้สึกแบบไม่ได้ประทับใจในวันนี้ที่เห็นคนที่มีความสามารถความตระหนักความตระหนักความเชื่อUh, and the thing is that I know that it is a challenging time, but the fact that we are together is what's going to get us through this. And I want to leave you with these words because I think that it's easy to despair in these times. Uh, and I want to leave you with the words from the great Mahatma Gandhi, who said the following: "When I despair, I remember." That all through history, the way of truth and love have always won. There have been tyrants and murderers, and for a time, they can seem invincible. But in the end, they always fail. Think of it, always. There will be a time when this. Era will come to an end. The era of hatred that Donald Trump has promulgated will come to an end. And the question is, when that history is written, and it, believe you me, it will be written because the end will come. The question will be, 
where were you in the fight to bring that hatred to an end? And I know that the people in this room, the people that are watching can say that all of us had a role to play in making that end come sooner rather than later. Thank you very much. Thank you again. Enjoy the evening. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, John. And thank you to our immigrants. We're proud of our immigrants. Thank you for making this country what it is today. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Thank you to the Commonwealth Club for hosting us, John Zipper, and all of our sponsors and our performers tonight. And, of course, David Campos, our master of ceremonies. We'll see you next time.